excited this morning. I have loved uh, preparing this passage. And I think it's one of those passages that's completely rich and you could probably preach a hundred times over. Um, so what I encourage you to do is take a bit of time on your own after this as well and just see what God highlights to you through it and see what he says to you. But the bit I'm going to be focusing on today is um, this new covenant that we have, this new deal that Jesus brings us. So I'm going to pray and then I'll read the passage for us. So we're in 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18 to give you a heads up. But Father God, I'm praying for me this morning that I hear your voice, that I'm led by your spirit. And I'm praying for everyone here in the room that their hearts are open, that their focus is on you. Help us, Lord, to have a, a revelation of you today, something new. Help us to learn something more of you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if anyone needs a Bible, pop up your hand and someone will bring one for you. Anybody want one? Or you can do the digital thing. And if you don't have one at home, this is a gift for you. Take it home. Have a read. So 2 Corinthians 3, 7 to 18. It should come up. I don't know if you'll be able to read it so well. Let's see if the light will work. The greater glory of the new covenant. Now, if the ministry that brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily on the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what glorious, what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull. For to this day, the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day, oh, repeat, sorry about that. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I know. Where to begin? That was so amazing. <laughs> Anyone else or just me? No. Maybe it'll take... Yeah, it was pretty amazing, I think. So I'll start with a wee story. And when I was wee, my uh, dad occasionally went on business trips. He had the glamorous jet-setting life of a chartered accountant. Yeah. Woo! So I think he went away twice. That was it. <laughs> he had two business trips in my entire childhood. But what was really exciting for me about that was... Everyone knows when a dad goes away somewhere, what does he do when he comes back? Yes, he brings a present and I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. He wasn't going to fail me. And in fact, he brought back two gifts. Really exciting. The first one is will blow you away. It was a fashion statement like no other. And I was really chuffed about it. It was this amazing and beautiful Goofy hat. Oh, yes. Now, can anyone tell me what animal Goofy is, by the way? Exactly. No. Here's a revelation for you. We're talking about revelation today. He's a cow. Yes. Yes. 
Yes, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought he was a dog. I thought it was going to be just me, but he's a cow. Look it up. Every day is a school day. <laughs> Hopefully that's not the only revelation that you have today. Um, anyway. Yep, that's what you learned. And the other gift that he brought back, which was even more exciting, this was pretty amazing, was a Sony Walkman. Oh, yeah. In red. Like that one. Pretty much. That's pretty special. I was delighted. Cutting edge. And um, this was one of my best presents ever. Until about 10 years later, when my brother was feeling particularly flushed for some reason. I'm not quite sure why. And for Christmas, he gave me, I've got it, you ready? An iPad, na iPad? iPod, Nano. Ooh, it's fancy, still works. Look how tiny it is. <laughs> and that was amazing to me that Sony Walkman had been trumped. This was much better. And then you didn't think you could get better than an iPad. I, I can't say iPad, smallest iPad ever. iPod Nano. And then, probably another 10 years or more later, probably more in fact, the lovely Ali said that we could budget for Spotify Premium. Oh yes, 10,000 songs on a device. How amazing. And this was so much better. So my point is that in this chapter, Moses is comparing the old with the new. The old was good, but this new covenant is so much better. And this new, new deal that Jesus has brought us is so much better, and it brings us a few things with it as well. So what does this new deal bring? Well, the old deal, we'll talk about a wee bit as well. Just that um, The old deal was that Moses was the one that got to experience God's glory and presence, just him. And it was either up a mountain or in a fancy tent. And it, he also could only then share it with other people through a veil. People couldn't even look at his face because the glory and presence of God was so powerful and glorious. And also it was temporary. It was fading away. And it was conditional. It was conditional on these guys keeping to the law. That was the only way that they were going to get to see the presence of God. And this new deal just quickly has enabled us to have this unconditional love. We have free access to the Father God. And the presence of God is now living in us instead of in tents. No separation from him. A relationship with him. And it's so much better. So much greater. I won't go back to my Walkman. And we don't need to go back to having to do things to reach the Father. Because it's already been done for us by Jesus on the cross. And the three things that I'm going to talk about that this new deal brings, the first is a revelation. I was talking about that, not just about Goofy being a cow, but an unveiling. I was blind, but now I see. Verse 3 says, We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It's not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So Moses saw the Lord face to face, and the people were so scared that they had to hide it with a veil. And how glorious and powerful now we can be with our Father God, without any veil, without any mask, completely barefaced. How much more glorious. 
And it says in verse 14, the old covenant was what they were reading. And there's a veil covering that. There's a veil covering their hearts and dulling their minds and dulling their understanding of the word of God. I remember when I was 21, I decided to get an eye test. I think I just wanted some cool glasses, to be honest. Didn't actually think I might need them. Um, but the rest of my family had glasses. and It was probably inevitable that I would. And I left the optician needing glasses just for driving. And um, when I put these glasses on, I don't know if you've ever had that moment. Maybe you have. When you put glasses on for the first time, you have a moment. You're like, wow. All of a sudden, everything is clear. It's amazing. I could see. And this is what the revelation is like here. All of a sudden, they could see. Their hearts and minds had been dulled, out of focus. But now, like putting on a pair of glasses for the first time, they could see the truth through Jesus. It made me think briefly of when Jesus healed Bartimaeus from being blind. And this guy's blindness was healed by his faith in the truth of who Jesus was. He shouted, Jesus, son of David. He knew exactly who he was. And his faith in that moment healed his blindness. He could see. Only in Christ it is taken away, it says. Whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Because of Jesus, we can have this understanding and clarity. And without Jesus, the Bible, it doesn't make sense. He brings it to life. Have you ever been reading the Old Testament, perhaps, maybe Numbers? And you've thought, this isn't relevant. No, nobody admitting that. <laughs> Me. Or this is really dull, in fact. What I love about this passage is that it's reminding us of the connection. It's reminding us that every part of the Bible points to Jesus. The new covenant doesn't make sense if we haven't the old to compare it to. And the old covenant doesn't make sense unless we see it through what Jesus has done. It all leads to him. So if you struggle with the Bible, the understanding of it, old or new, we're going to pray for a revelation for you today. That you see the glory of God through scripture. That you see Jesus in every part of it. And not on your own doing, thankfully, his spirit will do it for us and bring that clarity and understanding. When I was little, my idea of fun was running out the door and going to play in the street, in the hills, saying, see you later, mum. And I didn't come home until the sun was going down, my tummy was hungry, or I'd scraped my knee too badly and it needed some attention. My kids have a wee bit of that, only a wee bit. But uh, more their idea of fun now is going to a warehouse with stretchy fabric, jumping up and down for two hours, drinking fizzy juice and eating blue sweets, and leaving as happy, sweaty messes with parents that need to remortgage their home. That's a trampoline center for anyone who doesn't know. And my kids nag me to go to these places. I mean, and apparently, you always say no is the answer. And it's pretty much true unless something's free. Um, so I was whinging, I mean, having a conversation with my friend. And she, I was saying, ah, the kids, they really want to go to this place. It's so expensive, though. And, you know, outside is just as much fun, surely. And um, she said, don't worry. There's this website you can go to. And um, you'll get a discount. You just need to go to It Is On and you'll get a discount. And my face is a place where you see everything. We don't call me Poker Face Kirsty. 
we, uh, my heart is on my face, basically. And so my face scrunched up like this. What is she saying? And then like this. Ah, right. So I don't know if anybody else, when you write down the words, it is on, it looks like itison. <laughs> so for quite a long time, I've been going to itison uh, website, but apparently it is called it is on. Light bulb. Goofy's a cow. <laughs> and so I'm just really quickly for fun and cause, you know, this might also be the only revelation that you get today. Here's some more words that we often get wrong. Um, first one, it's a cold place. How do we say this first one? Is it, can you read that? Oh, the Arctic. Do we say that one right? Or do we say Arctic? <laughs> Next one, it's got to be quick. Oh, that really strong coffee. Do we say espresso? Or do we say espresso? There we go. It's an education today, guys. <laughs> Next one. Oh, I want to call this one a gif. That says gif, doesn't it? It's not. It's a gif. Gif. It's a gif. It's a gif. <laughs> Next one. There's only three more. Oh, it's a good one. I tried to get my kids to say this the other day. They couldn't do it. Library. Not library. Yeah, okay. Next one. A meme. Meme. No, yeah. Mem. I'm sure I'm said mem. Oh, it's a good one. Mischievous. Not mischievous. Mischievous. Right. You're all educated. Or Tarenty, where is that? It took me a long time to figure out that that is Trinity, for anyone who's not local. But a light bulb going on. This face. Ah, got it. Jesus has made this new deal, paid the price for us on the cross, and he's lifted the veil. The lenses are on so we can see clearly now. We can have understanding of scripture and understanding of the truth of who Jesus is. And if you've not experienced that moment of truth, of who he is and how he wants to know you, then we'll definitely be praying for you later on today. He wants to have a relationship with you. That first moment of putting on glasses, whoa, this is what the world's supposed to look like. Or whoa, this is what I'm supposed to look like. When I became a Christian, a light bulb went on for me that the world didn't define me but my maker in heaven does. This new deal brings revelation. And it brings freedom. It brings liberation. Liberation from what? Verse 17, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And John 8, 32 says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So freedom, the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. And the Israelites when they were mentioning Moses in this passage, they were literal slaves in their land and Moses was helping to set them free. But also they were held by their sin, by their inability to follow the law. They were stuck. They were separated from God and choosing it actually. There's so much that we're freed from because of Jesus, it's hard to know where to begin. But I was thinking back to a few weeks ago, we heard a story about a guy called John um, from Cap. Not too dissimilar to the story that Trish has told, I suppose, that um, he had been in debt for 17 years, stuck in his flat, isolated, lonely, no way out. And Cap helped him find his feet. Cap is Christians Against Poverty. By the way, they help you with budgeting and give you great tools and a befriender. 
and they helped him move back to living a life free and normal, what we consider normal and good life. And he said, quote, the feeling of freedom and relief has to be experienced to be believed. I started laughing and shouting. 17 years of grief lifted in a few seconds. Absolutely unbelievable, like heaven on earth. And then my favorite part of this story is when not only does he sort out and get out of debt and sort out his life, he gets his flat sorted out, all tidied up, and then he is able to host some folk in his house. Amazing, what amazing freedom that he is now hosting some people in his home that he was just stuck in by himself. What freedom he found. And Cap, that was a vehicle that helped set him free. And sometimes we've got barriers that go up between us and God for all sorts of reasons. Bad habits or financial stuff. It could be relational stuff. Forgiveness. Layers that build up. And if we don't acknowledge them, sometimes they do restrict our moving forward in a relationship with God. But in Jesus, our debt has been paid. It's a really good analogy. It's been wiped clean so that we can now host the presence of God in us. And the glory of God is the tangible presence. And it's in our very hearts. In the tabernacle, when Jesus died, a huge thick curtain that couldn't even be torn by two horses running apart was torn in two. And so we now have free access to the presence of God. He lives in us. We are the tabernacle. We have freedom to approach our God without separation, without veil, without barrier, without the debt of sin. Freedom to preview the kingdom of God before it comes in full. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. No longer on stone, but spirit in the heart. An internal work's been done now, this new deal. So our posture changes. And we, like the people of Israel, weren't wanting really to, to please God. They didn't have the desire internally. But hopefully now we do have this internal desire to please God, to be with him because of what he's done. So if you'd like liberation, freedom from anything today, you think it's getting in your way of your relationship with God, We'll be praying for that later too. For the freedom to come into your heart because of Jesus and the layers to be lifted. He brings freedom with this new deal. And he also brings a transformation. Right, you guys, are you ready to judge me? You're it's a great story. Sorry in, in advance. Many apologies. So a while ago... Um, pre-children, definitely, when I had a bit more time on my hands. Every time Ali went out, maybe you've all got a program like this, by the way. Maybe you do. So Ali would go out to football or band practice, and I wouldn't be there, and I'd be in the house on my own. And I would watch a program called, oh dear, it's embarrassing, Snog, Marry, Avoid. Okay, it's out there. Confession. Just saying, we have a come-as-you-are policy, okay? And uh, some of you are sitting there thinking, you have no idea what I'm talking about. And I have to say, your life is better off, okay? But a couple of you are just blushing right now, and you've watched it too. It's pretty bad TV, but I'll tell you why I like it. So the idea of the program 
is that you people would come onto this program. I'm not quite sure why. Bless him. And they um, they would look different, definitely. They thought they looked pretty amazing, um, but they'd created like a caricature of themselves almost, and they looked yeah very different, quite extreme. Usually involved layers and layers and layers and layers of fake tan. And then they would show the picture of themselves to the public. And the people in the public would say whether they would snog, marry, or avoid. We're moving on quickly. And um, the, the answer was generally avoid, because they weren't people that looked very approachable. And then what would happen is that they would, because people had said they wanted to avoid them, they would undergo a makeover, which I loved. And the first process was they had to wipe their faces clean in front of the camera, which was quite a big deal for a lot of people to be barefaced, um, completely exposed in front of the camera. And they would hide this process from them the whole time. And eventually, they'd been made under, and they would unveil the new them. And actually, what I really love about it is that they, they sort of rediscovered who they were. Not every time. Mostly, they loved it. They saw how other people saw them. How amazing. And um, I have got a picture up, just to give you an idea. Yes. Look, how amazing is that? Look at you've all gone shocked quiet, haven't you? That's the idea of the program. You can probably take that slide off. I think that's distracting now. And, but anyway, <laughs> the idea is that there's an unveiling again. And I think this is what happens with us. I think we almost get our make under moment. We see a reflection of our truer selves when we get to know Jesus. And actually, because we're now the place where the presence of God is living in our hearts, we're reflecting his glory. Not in the same way as Moses, not with our shiny, dewy faces that nobody can see, but actually in our hearts. And that's where people should be able to see the glory of God shining through, the way that we live through our hearts out in the world. Our hearts should be different because we're hosting the presence of God. And so sometimes there are still these layers, layers of protection or layers caused by hurt or sin or just the way the world is. And they need to be stripped back again to reveal this soft, fleshy heart. Our transformation from being law written on tablets to the spirit in the heart, to having dull minds, to having clarity and understanding, to seeing the truth. So let's see if we can bring our open hearts to God, transparent hearts. When we turn to him and say, I'm sorry, I need you, turn our faces to seek him, we'll be transformed into his likeness. I was thinking about what we focus on or what we read or what we watch or all of that, what we think, where our thoughts go, tends to make us what we are, really, in a way. What we behold is what we become. And if we can seek his face more, if we can behold Jesus and his glory more, we will become more like him, be more transformed into his likeness. Verse 8, and we all, 
who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And we're being transformed. It's a process. It's not right, you've said yes, you're done now, you're changed. Perfect. It's constant renewal. We have to constantly turn to Jesus and allow him to constantly change us. I'm just wondering if the idea of opening up your fleshy, vulnerable heart to God is a tough one for you today. Then we'll be praying for you. Praying that you allow God to lift the layers off and be transformed into his image. And I'm desperate, I don't know about you, for more of a revelation of his truth. More freedom in my life and more transformation into being like Jesus. Verse 7, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So that's what we should be going after, his Spirit. And I'd love to pray for us this morning and take time for his Holy Spirit to come and be in us so that we're changed. I want to go every time I start up a conversation with God, I say a prayer, I worship, I serve. I want to be a bit more changed. Let's allow God to remove the layers this morning. Even about the expectation of how God meets with us. Take that layer off. Let's be barefaced and open-hearted with him. What do you want revealed to you today? What do you want freedom from today? What do you want transformed into today?